0: Your best Your best Your best Welcome to Your Best Bets, a very special episode tonight. Uh, we have Zach Fitzgerald here, uh, you know, frequent contributor to Your Best Bet. Zach, how are we? The Max Homa Whisperer, I guess, is what we should call you.
1: Uh, doing great. It, it first win of the calendar year. So I uh, feel like finally I'm part of the team again. I think you have two and maybe Johnny has two. So I was uh, kind of slugging behind, but, you know, kind of trying to hit the ground running here. We'll try to get another one next week. But yeah, Homa seems to be good for me. And uh, if he was in the tournament this week, I would bet him. So uh, I'm, I'm just saying, but yeah, super excited for today's uh, show and glad that we got the win.
0: Yeah, I uh, so you picked him at at the fortnight and uh, the first event of the wraparound season. So you've you've been on him the last two uh, wins. So I, I'm I'm just going to listen to you going forward whenever you have a hunch about him. Maybe at the PGA in a in a couple of weeks. Well, uh, I mean, I didn't even uh,
1: I didn't even say anything about him in the tournament. It was just kind of one of those things where you know when we had to do our picks the next day, I was looking through everything and his name just kind of like jumped out at me. And every once in a while, that just happens and. Yeah, I don't know. It did that time. So
0: yeah, well done worked. I mean, I did, I did mention Keegan during the pod and, uh, but that always turns out the way I think it's going to with him. And then uh, I, I, ne- I didn't feel good about my bet on him. So that's why I hedged on, on Sunday morning and that, that turned out spectacularly. So Excellent. Um, also here, uh, Callahan Elsie is here making uh, his debut on the podcast. Uh, appreciate you being here. How are you, sir?
2: I'm great. It's good to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Uh, we wanted to have you on, and I know you and I have been talking about this for for a few weeks, and it just hasn't uh, worked out exactly the way uh, we wanted to. It was I think, late March, and then I was sick one week, and then I had to bail. But glad you made it on. And um, so we're going to do something a little different tonight. Normally, we would kind of talk about the last golf tournament, some other golf stuff, preview the the upcoming tournament. But We're going to kind of forego that and just kind of just – just talk golf and talk about, um, you know, some stuff with golf swings and the mental game. I I want to talk about kind of in reference to Max Homa, some of this, some of the things you can do in golf when you have confidence, when you're playing with confidence. So a lot, we want to talk about, but first I want to talk about you kind of where you've been in, in golf. And a lot of people know you around here, obviously Fort Wayne guy. Um, you know, and you're, and now you're doing work still around uh, the area in the game. So kind of just lead us from where you've been and what you're doing now.
2: From day one, all the way from all the way from day one?
0: Yeah, wherever you will feel comfortable starting it again.
2: Cool. Yeah. So, 4 win guy, born and raised. Um, been playing golf since I was two. My dad gave me one of his uh, cut-down drivers, and I was a, a big fan of it. Um, played my first tournament when I was three. Uh, my dad tells a story. I had a one-foot putt to win my first tournament at three years old, and I looked at him, smiled, turned around, and slapped it off the green. So uh, he wasn't too pleased with that, but uh, I've been competing since pretty much as uh, as early as I can remember. Um, after a while, of, I would say from, like, three to middle to middle school, I fell in love with basketball, t- didn't touch the clubs much. Uh, my dad convinced me to start playing some more, playing an event. Happened to win, and then from there I was totally bit. So um, that's kind of how I got started in the game. Ever since I've been a total golf nerd, complete, uh, completely in love with it. It's been it's my favorite thing to do, and um, now I've kind of got myself into a position where I can do my favorite thing, which is play golf. My passion, play golf, and help other players get better at it as well. Pretty much a dream job. Um, I couldn't imagine a better situation for me. So it's been it's been wonderful. Um, but yeah big golfer, big golf nerd as, uh, as in, as in love with the game right now, as I was at three. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful sport. I'm glad to be a part of it and being able to help people get better at it is, uh, something I couldn't imagine or couldn't even dream of doing. It's been, it's been awesome. So that's kind of how I got started. Um, after college, so I graduated during the COVID year, which was a complete mess. Oh. Um, I was looking. Jobs on LinkedIn, and the best I could find was grocery night clerk at Kroger. (laughs) So I reached out to an old friend of mine, Quinn, over at Apex. He had suggested maybe me going over there to teach. Um, In the beginning, I wasn't too keen on the idea, but I just said I didn't really have any other options. So I went over there, gave it a shot. I never had watched someone teach a lesson before, and he tells me, He's like, okay, here's your lesson. You have a lesson today. And so I really. Had no idea where to start. Um, but once I saw the guy hit a seven iron solid for the first time in his life, it was like a feeling I've never felt before. I saw him jacked up, I was jacked up. It was like, whoa, this is almost cooler than me striping a seven iron. So uh,
0: the feeling I get
2: from teaching and the, the feedback I get from watching one of my players or someone I'm working with and talking with get better at the game is, uh, is something I can't even describe. So it's just such an addicting thing, just like striping seven irons and making birdies. It's just so. The feeling you get from watching or helping someone get better at anything is uh, quite Mm -hmm. quite a feeling. So, yeah, that's kind of me—how I got into teaching. Um, Like I said, something I am super grateful for, and something I hope to do for the rest of my life. So,
0: you mentioned you've always been a golf nerd, or I guess it started more in like middle school. So, so what do you mean by that? Were you into? Did you read books, or when did you get into the golf swing uh, specifically? oh man
2: so i would say late high school and it didn't help me it made me worse um i got to the point where i was on the range and i would i'd hit one left i'd hit another one left and i would i would do the youtube thing which i I hope to get into later on this podcast um I'd, i'd be in class at school typing in youtube how to not hit it left or how to not snap hook it um and I'd go down these rabbit holes and start tinkering and doing all these things. And all of a sudden I end up learning so much, most of which wasn't helpful, probably. Um, <laughs> do so many different things. I had so many different ideas and understanding of the golf swing that it wasn't necessarily helpful to me, but it's nef- definitely now helpful in my life teaching other people. Um, but yeah, went down the YouTube rabbit hole, read, read Ben Huggins, five Fundamentals miles of golf, read Jack Nicklaus, golf my way, read them all. So um, I'm definitely a student of the game in some ways it's been helpful like in my teaching but not necessarily helpful to a player who's trying to play at a high level so i think there are definitely goods and bads that come with learning a bunch about the swing so that's kind of so
1: when you go ahead when when you you kind well you kind of made uh, uh something about how you know people dive into these youtube rabbit holes and And when I, when I talk to people that are struggling a lot of times with their swings, you know, it seems to me that they're thinking far too many things in their head. Do you kind of try to preach simplification over, you know, being too complex in the golf swing?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's two parts to that. Number one, let me, let's talk about the YouTube. So every single person that comes to me, I always ask them the question. I'm like, okay, you tell me, what do you think is the problem? Just give me a rundown of what you think is, is the problem in your golf swing. And it's amazing the things that I hear. Some of them are, they're just all over the board and almost, and I wouldn't say this is always true with good players. They have a pretty good understanding. Like Zach, if you came to me with an issue and you were hooking it, you'd probably have a pretty good idea as to why you were doing that. But players who are up in the 20 handicaps, 25, 30 handicaps come to me. And the things that they tell me are almost laughable. It's like, where did you find, where did you pull that out of? And every single one of them is like, well, on YouTube, I saw this guy explaining that this is the problem and this is why I'm potentially doing this. And almost, I would say 70% of the time of a 20 handicapper that comes in to see me, I would say more than that. 90% of the time they have absolutely no idea what's causing them to hit terrible golf shots. So, um, that's the YouTube rabbit hole. But. So what was the second part? Sorry. I I got, I got sidetracked there.
1: Uh, Well, I was just saying that, you know, do you preach simplification of the golf swing?
2: So, my job as a coach is to be as completely least invasive as I possibly can be. So in a perfect world, I mean, as a coach, I'm always trying to go for the lowest hanging fruit. So like whatever the easiest thing and the fastest and the simplest thing that we can accomplish that will make you better is what I'm going to be going for. I try to be as least invasive as I possibly can. Not always easy, especially with slicers. Um, but I mean, if I can come, if someone can come see me and, I can give them something that's pretty with that's well within reach. They can understand, and I can understand, and I can give them one or two things. They can walk away from our lesson and I know that they're gonna do those one or two things. Now, if I and I've done this before, I mean, everything that I'm saying, I have at one point I've learned from a mistake, and I've sent people away, just overloaded them, and they come back and I ask them the next time, okay, so what did you take with you from last lesson? And now I, I can see the confusion in their face. They're like, ah don't really know. There was so many things. So, and it, it's hard just like it is in, in conversation with people. It's hard not to word vomit. People take what I say, and what golf coaches say with a lot of, I mean, that they respect and they listen very intently to what these people are saying. So, um, you gotta be careful. You just don't start spitting out a bunch of different things. This is, this could be changed. This needs to be changed. Grip, stance, fall position, at the top, it gets long, gets laid off, yada, yada. I mean, you have to be very, very uh with what you say. And, be, be. I mean, just make sure that you're trying to give someone something completely attainable and well within reach. So as least invasive as it possibly can be, I try to keep it simple. Um, golf's a complicated game. It's not always that easy, but as simple as it can be, uh, yeah, that would be the ideal. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's the plan always. I'm,
0: I'm interested when someone comes to see you and, and for the first time, I have two questions. Yeah. Number one, are, are you looking for something specific right away or are you just watching them and then whatever jumps out to you is the first thing you, d- you discuss with them. Like, is it grip, great. Gr- are you looking at their grip right away? You're looking at their, their swing plane. What is it? Or is it something that is just really noticeable? And number two, you mentioned about kind of attainability, are you yeah. able to identify pretty early on what that person's ceiling is going to be as a player? So... The first, um, Thanks, Zach.
2: <laughs> so the first question, is the, I mean, both of those are wonderful questions, and I'm glad to, to be talking about them. Um, first question, which is, what am I looking for when someone walks in? The first thing I always ask the, the player is like, okay, you tell me, so, you know, you have watched yourself at every single golf shot. in your I have seen zero. Now you can tell me better than anyone what the problem is, or a, I shouldn't say what the problem is. You can tell me better than anyone, what you need help with. How can I help you? You tell me whether it's hitting seven irons, not slicing drivers straight off the tee. Um, so typically people are good at at least identifying what the problem is, whether it's, I can't keep it on planet earth with the driver or, I can't stop snap hooking it 90% of the time. And I'll say this has changed since I started my own business. Um, At one point I was working with, I would say higher handicaps. Now I'm kind of working my way in, not by choice, but just by how people have come. Um, I'm starting to work with, I would say a little bit more advanced players, but typically it's, it's the slice it's trying not to slice it. So, I mean, when someone comes to me with a problem, so let's just say that someone is slicing it. Um, I always look for so I'm running like a checklist through my brain, okay, this person is swinging seven degrees from out to in, swinging straight across it. Now, what are the things that are making that problem worse? whether it's the grip it's too neutral or the takeaway rolls right inside and goes straight open. Um, there's always going to be something an indicator or a, a identifier that's like, okay, that is the reason why everything else breaks down, so it's kind of like a car like. Hey, my car is not running. Um, tell me what's wrong with my car. It's like, well, I don't know shit about cars, but, um, there is something that is causing the engine not to work or the car to not work. And my job is to identify as simply as possible as Zach said earlier, um, what that is. And if I can fix that thing kind of leads into a chain of events where things get better. So that was question one. I'm not necessarily ever, I'm not, a swing plane guy necessarily. I think there are players that I, I just don't like teaching a, a one size fits all golf swing. Um, mm-hmm. And at one, point I, I I can't say that I've always been that way. I think I'm learning as time goes on that asking people t- to do the same thing or swing the same way is nearly impossible for both myself and the player. So um, I'm not a I'm not a huge big big swing play guy necessarily, um, but yeah, so. I would say I'm never looking for th- – I mean, there are indicators or there are things that slicers do and there are things that hookers do that I'm looking for, but I'm never, when someone walks in, always looking or trying to change something to, into a, a mold or put yeah. something in a place. So that was question one. Now question two was, can I quickly identify the ceiling of a player? Um, if I ask them how how often are you willing to practice, that's about all Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, so that would be the question. I mean, that's an honest answer or an honest. I mean, you can only get as good as you are willing to put the time. So, but I mean, in terms of just watching their golf swing, uh, yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I've, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm sure I've been surprised, and I'm sure that there are people that are still going to surprise me out there that either get way better than I thought that they might or don't get as good as I thought that they should have. But I would say that. I have a pretty good idea um, just by watching so yeah, yeah those are really good questions those are fun those are fun
1: I have a thought yeah um, i i have always kind of wondered you know and and you're a younger guy and technology and all that but how much do the numbers that you get off of a track man play into your teaching compared to say just your intuition on something with a player that you see i mean i understand That's- that You know, the numbers are getting, you know, track man and all these things are getting so advanced. And I mean, we can see everything we do with our swing, but I mean, I think for me, you get, if if you just, and this is just my opinion, I'll I'll trust you on this, but I think if you just go off numbers, you get kind of robotic. So I just want to know like kind of how you, how you tamper that, like thought between the numbers and then still making somebody kind of like an artistic player that, that has feel for the game.
2: Sure. That's another really good question. Um, I think the TrackMan itself is for a teacher is wildly helpful. And I don't think necessarily because we don't know what's going on. I think it's so we can explain and show the person that's in front of us. Okay. This is what's happening. There's no if, answer, buts about it. You're swinging seven degrees from the outside and you're swinging seven degrees to the left. And <clears throat> Being able to show them that is all, is very helpful, whether it's someone who's snap hooking it or um, or hitting nasty high slices. It's helpful to identify and show them, okay, this is what the problem is. It's not the face. The face is relatively stable and it's consistent. The face is open every time. But the path, yeah, it's it's way too much in the outside. And, or Being able just to show them, okay, this is what the issue is, uh, is very helpful. Now, I will say that I think TrackMan as a whole and I've been a big proponent of trackman for a long time. Um, and I was actually talking to my buddy Ramon about this today. Um, I think that it makes good players worse. And I think it makes bad players better because I think, and it's interesting, like um, I have the, I'm very fortunate to have the ability to own, to have a track man and uh, I'll take it outside and I will. It's, it's amazing. Like every time I get on track, man, whether I want to or not, it's just my initial response is like, I look at the club speed and it's like, okay, it's 87 miles an hour. I got faster than that. It's like, okay, then I start going for 90 and then I start swinging it like garbage and then I start swinging across it. And it's just like, it seems to me like every time I get on it, I'm either A, trying to swing it faster, B, trying to make some manipulation to make the club not so far from the inside because I hit big draws. So it's like, I'm always playing a tinker game every time I'm on track, man, and I see the numbers as opposed to just going out there and getting my ball from point A to point B, point B to point C. So I think for good players, if you get too into the numbers, um, I think you're just, you're pigeonholing yourself down a, a bad place. I think you're going down a, a route that's just not all that creative and all that artist-like, like you said. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's so robotic, yes. Although I will say that the, for a teacher to be able to show their players and to show their clients and show i mean just to be able to explain okay this is why you're hitting slices your path is 20 degrees from outside in and you're hitting 10 degrees down in the driver um, i think that's helpful so
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think in a whole as a whole it's a wonderful machine i think if used properly it can be helpful um but for a good players, like it's helpful to monitor where your path is for like my really good players my good juniors um I know when they when they're swinging their best, what they're what what the club is doing. So we kind of use it as a way of getting ourselves back there if we get off. Um, but we use it more for yardage than we do for anything else. So, good question though. I think it's uh,
0: yeah, I think it can be I'm a sure. dangerous thing to, go. to to kind of piggyback on on that thought, you know, Zach mentioned. Kind of the artistic side of golf. From a teaching perspective, is it is it more difficult for you to work with someone that's more of a field player or more of a technical player? Um, for instance, Zach, I don't I don't know your game well enough um, myself. Yeah. myself yeah. I, I'm a field player. I always have been. Um, you know, someone will give me a, my, one of my buddies that I play with all the time is always giving me swing tips, and I just can't. I can't seem to carry out what he's saying for, for whatever reason. And I just, yeah. I can't, I can't feel it. I, I thought sure. that's what you might say from a teaching perspective, because I could see you just kind of banging your head against the wall. Like, why can't this person understand yeah. what I'm, what I'm trying to convey to them? For sure. So I guess
2: I will ask you, so what is, a f- when you say I'm a field player, I always ask people this, what is, what does that mean to you? What What is a field player?
0: Um, that, that's a good question. Um, I would say I'm I'm not always focused right rightly or wrongly, I'm not always yeah. focused on my mechanics um the way I should be. Um okay. and 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 when, when I get a little loose, I'm not I'm not thinking of it that way. I'm just thinking of it um maybe more of a mindset more or less than actual what's wrong with my golf swing. Um sure. yeah.
2: And I think that you would be surprised. I think we'd all be surprised that if you went across the PGA tour, I think what they're all trying to do is have really good mechanics and then go out to the golf course and be field players. There are very few people that can be on the, and I'm, and I'm so guilty of this more than anyone that I in Fort Wayne in the zip code right now of going on the range, trying to get the club in a position up here, hitting it really good on the range. Cause there's no consequence. I can just grab a ball and keep trying and trying and trying. And then going out to the golf course and acting that way or behaving that way on the golf course and hitting it like straight garbage. It's like golf is not played from a position, it's played from a movement. You must be out there. If you're trying to get into a certain position at the top, good luck. If you're in the last round on Sunday in the Masters, like you got no chance. So I think what everyone is trying to do is trying to A, I think there's two sides. Like you have to separate mechanics from feel, it's like you need to train mechanics. And at some point, it's like a free throw, someone or or a jump shot. Someone throws you the ball, you catch it, and you shoot it. It's like if you've trained properly on the range, you take what you've trained, you go to the golf course, and you become a field field player. That would be the excuse me. That would be the ideal. Now, that's not always easy, and it's not easy at all. And I think golf instruction, in a way, and I've seen this a lot. um, And I'm not necessarily the. I haven't been the best, and I'm currently actively trying to get better at just taking the handcuffs off people with all the things that are going up here in the brain. It's like if you're over the golf ball, and you have nine different things you need. You're thinking about as to how you need to not slice this. You have zero chance. You're going to slow down. You're going to squeeze the grip. You're not going to get the club back. It's just going to be an impossible game. So I think ideally in a perfect world, everyone has good mechanics and then they take it to the course and they're a field player. They just go, they don't really think too much about mechanics. I think Zach, I've watched, I caddied for Zach last year in the city tournament. That dude just plays golf. Like he just, he doesn't think about it much. He doesn't worry about his golf swing. He just gets there and he gets up to it and hits it. And it's like really good a lot, a lot of times. Now I think that would be the most, the ideal way of playing. Um, And I know you have Strasser on here as well. He's got a great golf swing. He's got really good rhythm. And when he's on the course, he's not, it doesn't appear to me. I can't tell what he's thinking. I can't get in his brain, but it doesn't seem to me like he's overloaded or handcuffed with things he's thinking about his golf swing. I think good players just, they train it. They practice it. It becomes a part of them. They go out the course. They just send it. So Zach, what do you think about that?
1: For me, mechanics is body and feel is brain. Um yep. I think that, you know, and I say this to a lot of people, uh, you know, I've seen every person I've played golf with, every single person I've ever played golf with has hit a good shot at some point, which means they're capable of it. So it's got to be their brain getting in the way. So to me, as you said, I I really don't think when people ask me what I think about over the ball, the, the true answer is nothing or a lot of times in tournaments I'll try to get like a chorus of a song like implanted in my head and then I just (laughs) rotate that over and over again to try to keep all thoughts out so that's really what I do in tournaments but um sorry no 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 no. I mean that's it for me I I think mechanics is body and I think that you know what you do is I think that you get people's mechanics and and their body like in the right position you know you mold them in that way and at the same time i think you get their brains right through confidence and all that um and i think that the artistry comes from just going out there and playing and experiencing a lot of things you know uh the, one of the questions i asked earlier you know it, i never really thought about it much until i talked to tom botter and 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 he said something to me that i he called somebody a range player which yeah. is just a guy that that goes out there and hits it straight never flights the ball at all obviously struggles in the wind but he knows his numbers in perfect conditions so um I never thought about a player like that so that's kind of you know how I think of a mechanical like a strictly mechanical player is like we're going to look at the numbers and you know we're not going to deviate ever from that we're not we're not going to understand that maybe we got the wind in our face we need to flight the ball down you know we're just going to take an extra club instead and just try to hit it hard into the wind, which to me doesn't work very often.
2: Yeah, sure. So something you said there, you said, I think everyone, is, everyone I've seen that has played golf has hit a good shot at some point. I think it's mm-hmm. brain. Well, I would agree with that, but I think that 90, I wouldn't say 90, that's too high. I would say 60% of the people that play golf before Wayne have no idea what they did right when they hit it solid, zero clue. <laughs> and so. That's a huge part of my job and what I'm trying to do is like when people come and see me, I try to tell them, it's like, okay, this is what your golf swing does. So, okay. When someone comes to see me, this is what happens. I watch their golf swing and take some videos of it. I show them what's happening. I explain to them in as well of a detail as I can of what's happening. This is why, this is why your golf ball does this. This is why when you miss it, your golf ball does this. And when you hit it night or when you hit it solid, this is what you have done to hit it solid okay now once we understand okay this is why you're slicing it this is what this is what happens when you hit it really good now we have now we can work together now we can get better from here because it's like okay we understand what what we do when we hit it great and we understand what we do when we hit it really shitty now we have a way forward so I call that a blueprint it's like okay we have a blueprint now I mean I would say just getting people to understand what so people will, will, will stripe one hit it super good and they're like well, what did I do It's like, okay, you need to know that. That's what you need to figure out. And if I can get someone to figure that out, then we can continue to repeat it and make it happen more often and often. And then all of a sudden, we got a better player. So I had to take that, take advantage of of what you said there, because I think you're exactly right. It's like everyone is capable of doing it. Some people are capable of doing it way more often than others because they know why it happens, they know why they hit it really solid. So I think that's the biggest distinguish between a good player and someone who's wouldn't call themselves a good player is they have a feel or they have an idea or I mean, through reps and millions of golf balls hit, they have found a motor pattern or some way of getting the club face down of the ball, hitting it solid. And they know what that feels like feel players know what that feels like and they can make it happen. So that's the game. That's the name of the game right there.
0: I'm interested to know. There's been such a uh, a push the last couple of years, uh, I guess, starting on on the PGA Tour with with Bryson and speed. Um, from a teaching standpoint, have have you come across a lot of people that maybe are good players that are really focused on increasing their, their swing speed, trying to you know pick up uh, you know 20, 30 yards off the tee? What have you have you have you come across that? And how do you how are you managing that as a teacher? Well, you're talking to one
2: right here. I'm I'm guilty myself for sure. So I have firsthand experience. Um, I've come across that more than anything else. Honestly, it's like well, like a, a twenty in uh, a twenty handicap will come to me and they'll say, you know, I just uh, <laughs> I need to swing it faster. And I'm like, hey man, you need to hit the center of the face. What you need to do. <laughs> so I think it's a uh, the media and PGA Tour and uh, YouTube and all the all the, all, I mean, all of them are just trying to, people just want to hit it further and further and further and further and further. And I think that's great. Although, I mean, I, I tell all my students, every single person, it's like, I'm not here. to bullshit. I don't, I don't, I don't feed you lies. I don't tell you things that aren't true. 90% of the people that walk through my door have no chance of swinging the club much faster than they do right now. And I, I'll tell that too. it's like, Hey man, you're 65. 20 he's like well 20 years ago i used to hit it 250 with a persimmon club and i'm like hey dude like you've you have more great now than you did 20 years ago i'm sorry and i don't know that it's well received but it's i have and um yeah it's just like and i tell people i I use this all the time it's like no one in the world who is learning how to ski is going to go down a mountain and they're like, I'm going to ski as fast as I possibly can. And I'm going to teach myself how to ski at the same time. It's like, never, never anyone, not a person, not a single person I know that has taught themselves how to ski is skiing as fast as they can while trying to figure out how to do it. It's like, same. I don't see how golf is any different. It's like no one I know should be no one who, I mean, nobody should be trying to a learn how to hit the center of the face more often and B, trying to swing as hard as they possibly can to gain more distance. Because those two things happening at once is like almost zero for 90% of people that are in this area right now. Um, Although that's not to say that there are people who don't have a potential to gain a lot more speed. There are. It's just most of the people that come and see me that are saying, I need to hit it further, I need to hit it further, I need to hit it further, don't really have a reasonable chance to pick up club speed, but they have a reasonable chance hit the ball more solid which means the ball will go further so Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it's like ball speed over club speed all day i need you to hit it more solid it'll go a lot further than you think it will if you can just get it out of the center of the face it goes pretty far especially with the new clubs we have and the new balls we have it's like these things are jump
0: pads right now so yeah i get it all the time um and what do you what, what are you doing specifically to for, for you said you're, that's something you're chasing right now what are you doing specifically yeah. and it's like i'm just trying to use my
2: body as well as i can and i think that's i i understand i'm tiny i'm 133 pounds but i'm soaking wet which is not something i love but it's, it's reality just like the 65 year old guy it's like i'm 65 I, I mean i'm doing the best with what i can um there are certainly power leaks in the golf swing there are, are places where people start losing speed whether it's short up here or it's short to the top where the club face is wide open. Stall and release it. Um, there are leaks in the golf swing. So like if I can shore those up, people will gain speed. But I always tell them, it's, "This is we are not doing this for you to swing faster. We are doing this to make the golf swing more optimal. And if that leads to more speed, then awesome. Like We've done a great job. Um, efficiency. Efficiency, yeah. It's like, if I can get the move... If I can get you to not have to... They, on the way down, if I can just get the club in the right spot, so you can just turn out of there and hit it. A, you'll be able to swing it faster, which is a nice byproduct. But B, you'll under, you'll have an idea as to where the golf ball is going to go, and that's going to be way more helpful than hitting it 280 yards or however far you want to hit it. Um, so I think once people start seeing results and hitting the center of the face, they start to kind of not really care necessarily about how fast they are swinging it. Yeah. Um, But I will say that good players, like exceptionally good players chasing speed almost always end up regretting doing so at some point or another. And I've seen it myself. I mean, I go back and watch videos from like 2017 and I'm like just aghast at watching my golf swing. It's like, what in the actual world was I doing? Um... And I just, I just don't think that it's, I mean, if you can hit it 275 yards down the middle of the fairway, 12 times around, which is a lot, we'll we'll say 10, 10 times around, you are better than a guy that's hitting it 310 yards in the rough eight times around. It's like 275, especially if you're playing in Fort Wayne, like 275 yards down Broadway in Fort Wayne, Indiana, eight Mm -hmm. times or not will get you... So far, so right.
0: you, you'll, you're, you're hitting seven, eight iron at minimum into most, yeah. Into yeah. most screens. Yeah.
2: Of course. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just, I don't necessarily agree with the sentiment of, I need to swing the club faster. Although I realize that it's a part of my job and it's a part of what people want in their game. So I try to, I try to piggyback it on, okay, if we get the club to move better and we get your body to move better subsequently we will swing faster. Now, this is not why we're doing this. I don't, I haven't had a single person come to me without touching their golf swing and without touching how their body's moving and just trying to get the arms to slap at it faster. Like, it's just, I won't let that happen. I would rather just be like, Hey man, you might need to go see somebody else. If if that's what you're after, if you don't want to change anything, if you just want to swing it faster, I just don't see why I'm just not Ready to do that. I just don't want to hurt somebody. Like it's uh <laughs>
0: I mean, the the part of the problem is 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 self lack of self awareness for these twenty handicappers uh, coming to and you, I, and, and that's what they're focused on, and 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 there, there's just a lack of awareness or education of the game of what 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 it's going to take for them to really, uh, you know, shave a few strokes off their game. It's not it's not hitting it twenty yards farther. It's it's not topping it twenty yards in front of you, and and, and consistency in their game. Uh, so that's that's part of the problem. Is just some people are just they're just not there with the awareness and, and how the game is played.
2: Yeah, and I agree. And I think that. So I wrote down a couple of stats because I'm very interested to hear your guys' guesses on this. Um, because I was in a lesson. So I do outdoor lessons at Riverbend. Shout out Riverbend. Super thankful to be out there. Mm-hmm. People, they let me take a cart, run around with my client. Um, yeah, just super lucky to be out there. So thank you guys, Riverbend. But
1: shout I out was- Tommy.
2: I would shout out Tommy and Aaron, beautiful guys. So I hey, was out at River Bend. This is a true story, and I was with a high school player. We are 150 yards in the middle of the fairway on one, which the green is the size of a postage stamp. Mm-hmm. I would um, pin is back left, hits an eight iron from 150, kind of gets it low on the face, but it works out okay. It's pretty straight. Jumps up to the front of the green. He has like a thirty footer, maybe a uh, twenty five footer, and uh, he like drops the club, tosses it on the ground, and I just look at him and I was like, "What the heck, man? What's that about?" He's like, that's, "He's like that's freaking twenty five feet, that's thirty feet." He's like, "I had one hundred and forty eight yards," and like you do realize that that is tour average, right? And he was like, "What?" And he was like, well, "I don't care about PGA tour average." I'm like, "Dude, okay, let's take a second here, like." Being who you are as a player I think is almost better than golf instruction it's like understanding what you can do and managing your expectations to a have fun on the golf course which is I hope step one for everybody although it's not always easy and as the better you get the more frustrating the game gets but like manage your expectations so when you hit a when you kind of low-key hit it a, a little bit on low on the face and you kind of bun it up there to 25 feet it's like oh i did better than pga tour average would from that from the middle of the fairway here 148 yards but it's just like managing expectations and understanding who you are as a player is 100 the biggest mistake i see golfers make as I've, I've worked with at this point probably 400 400 people in the last two and a half years people just have wildly unrealistic expectations about what they can do and what they should be doing on a golf course. So that's my little spiel there. Um, but okay. So I figured that this would be a fun time because I do this in my lessons and people are always amazed. So I'm going to ask you guys the closest or the leading proximity from 100 and 125 yards, 150 to 175, one 25 to 150. Stars, so that was backwards. So who in your mind would you say is the close is the best from 100 to 125 yards and how close do they hit it on average? We're
1: talking about tour players?
0: Yeah, sorry, that was confusing. Yes.
1: Okay. So okay. tour
0: players. They, I was going I was going to say if it was local players it was going to be Zach Fitzgerald. No, yeah, hell no. So, for sure. So a tour
2: from 100 to 125 yards, who in your brain is the best player from there? How close do they hit it on average? And, yeah, no, that's the question.
0: Ooh. I mean, I, I, I would just defer to Justin Thomas, and I would say about 15 feet. Okay, from 100 to 125, okay. It's it's it's, it's going to be farther than you think, for sure. For, but, uh, Zach? playing this game. <laughs> that's why.
1: Oh All right, man, then. Um, I think that it's probably. I mean, I would say Thomas as well, and I think we're wrong. And I would say it's probably fifteen feet as well. I think that fifteen feet from one hundred to one hundred twenty-five is actually okay. So, pretty
2: reasonable. Colin Morikawa has had forty-one attempts from the middle of the fairway from one hundred to one twenty-five, and his average proximity is fourteen feet. And he leads the tour. Very good. That was a good guess. Now, what do you think PGA Tour averages from 100 to 125 in the fairway?
1: 25.
0: Okay. How about you, Phil? I would would go closer to 20, like 19 or something like that. 20 feet,
2: 3 inches, Mackenzie Hughes.
0: So, and then,
2: all that to say, I have several college students that I work with. They have 100 yards in the fairway. They hit it to twenty feet, and they are fumingly pissed. Like, boys, you don't realize that this is the average that a PGA tour could hit it and be an ass. But I mean, they're a lot better than the guys that are playing at college right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's go one more. So, from one fifty to one seventy five in the fairway, who leads it, and how close do they hit it on average? the best guy
1: Morikawa Morikawa and uh 22
0: feet okay Phil I'm I'm gonna say it's more like 20 23 or 24 it's a little higher and I'll just stick with JT because he's my guy so Justin Thomas leads the tour oh oh yeah to 175
2: yeah. yards done, Phil and in 80 attempts, he, he averages 20 feet four inches,
1: which is really impressive. good. Impressive. Yeah. That's, That's, impressive. Good. That's impressive. Yeah. Really
2: That's good. Impressive. Now who do you so what do you think would be tour average from 150 to 175 in the fairway? 30,
1: 35, maybe.
2: Okay, Phil. Yeah, like, 20,
0: like twenty-eight. Phil, you are wildly good at this game. Did you research this? For- <laughs> I just look at strokes, gain numbers like in my sleep. <laughs> so that's,
2: okay. So, Harold Barnard with their 28 feet on the dot, average 150 to 175. And, like, honestly, most of us, if you go across Fort Wayne uh, FWGA, city events, if someone's from 150 and they hit to 30 feet, they're going to be like, ah, that wasn't very good. It's like, no, that was really good. Really good.
0: It's absolutely true. It's, um, I mean, I, I do it myself. I, I've, 105 in, and I hit it to say 22 feet. And the expectation is, you, sh- it's like, oh, I should get that within 10 feet every time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an unreasonable thought, especially for someone of my skill level, that that's going to happen. Um, so yeah. it all goes back to awareness, uh, of your ability. And, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, people are expecting all the, the, the consistency. I, I need to hit it to 15 feet every time. It's just, it's an unreasonable way to think yourself around the golf course. And you'll never be happy. But
2: like, this is good. good. Why are you playing this game? If, if, if what you're asking of, you're totally impossible and you are not willing to accept that you were just not as good as you think that you should be. It's like, I don't see how this game is fun for you. And so I just think for the, and I mean, I, I don't blame the PGA tour and I don't blame the TV, but it's like, if you watch, you turn, if you tune in to the PGA tour, they're showing the final, the guys in the, that are in on Sunday. So they're, these are the best players in the world at this time. And they're watching them fl- hit darts in there and make putts from 25 feet. And it's like, there's such an under it, it, people just don't understand really. I mean, what, what golf is on that level or on the level that they are, should be playing it. It's like, so.
1: I kind of want to piggyback a little bit on this. Um, I, I would like to know some of your thoughts on, uh, things that people could do or more things people could not do to improve their scoring in a round. Um, Things that maybe, and the reason I'm saying that is, you know, you're talking about knowing yourself, and and there are some things in my head that people could not do uh, that could save them strokes. But I'm just kind of interested in what what you think maybe your not excellent golfer could do to save save strokes in a round.
2: Yeah, um, and like I know you have hit this so so many times, but I think it all starts with obviously managing or understanding like who you are as a player, which we talked about, but if you go across the beach, and you walk across the ring and you watch every single one of the guys on tour, they are all striking, it. just hitting it right out of the middle of the barrel every single time. And if you were to take, and you were to watch the way that these guys dissect a golf course and play a golf course, and then you watch a 15 or a 10 handicap play, the, play the same golf course the shots that the 10 handicap is trying to hit versus the shots, the PGA tour guys are trying to hit the 10 handicap will, will always almost always, unless they're crazy smart up here or have some, or they listen to this podcast and hear Zach and I talking about this. Um, the 10 handicap will be playing more aggressively than the PGA tour player will be. And I tell this mm-hmm. my, juniors, I see my juniors play all the time. And it's like, No one on the PGA Tour who is hitting it out of the center of the middle of the face every single time would be taking on that pin, that back right pin on five at Riverbend. Like, no one is doing that. Mm -hmm. Why are you, is my question. It's like, I don't Mm -hmm. see, so I think just understanding, okay, I, this is what I do as a player. I hit a 10-yard slice or a 10-yard fade. Now, if the pin is in the right side of the green, that is a pin that I can actually attack. I can Mm -hmm. aim side of the green to the left middle and ideally if you're one of my students we've talked about this we don't want to see our balls over curve the line so if we hit a bad shot it should end up being straight or okay so let me rephrase if I'm hitting a fade and this is the back right pin on five river bend I should be aiming 10 yards left at that flag now my worst shot should be a little bit of a pull so it'll start at the left side of the green it might stay there or it might miss left. And my best shot will fade back to the right pin, and maybe I have a 10-footer. My buddies give me a pat in the back and I hit a great shot. Mm-hmm. Now, the the thing that's interesting is I, I would see or I would say that 90% of the guys in the tour, unless they're feeling wildly confident or they have a perfect little baby cut in their bag, all of them are going to be aiming to the left middle of the green. And if you sat on that green, you would watch. 100 guys have a 25-footer from left to right on that green. No one would ever pin ever because they don't want to make bogey and, or, or double. And so they're all hitting it 25 feet. Maybe the, maybe they'll make it. Maybe they'll two-putt it, but they won't walk away with a four. And so the weekend golfer, the guy who goes out and plays, it's like laser. They grab the laser from their bag, and they shoot the right pin. 154, they put the tee in the ground without even thinking they're aiming right at the pin. They hit it right at the flag goes down to the crap. Now they just made 12. It's like, dude, you have no. So I see that all the time. It's like just trying to get yourself around the golf course and thinking about, okay, just trying to get from point A to point B, point B to point C in the least number of strokes possible. It sounds really cliche and not really helpful, but it's like just managing understanding what you can do and trying to get yourself around the golf course, thinking about, okay, this is my best chance. This is the like percentage goals. Like people always say, um, just playing the percentages. I think that's a super low hanging fruit that people are missing out on. It's like, that is the easiest thing. It's not easy, but um, that is one of the lowest hanging fruits that there is. It's like understanding when you can take advantage, when you can shoot a flag and actually hit at the flag. And when mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, not my pin. This is not my hole for me like let's think of a let's think of a hole quickly um like a, okay so we'll say 17 at Coyote Creek par 3 probably one of the hardest par 3s in four way mm-hmm. that pin is right all the way back right now i draw the ball that is not my pin i cannot try to get close to that pin i can't aim right of it cuz if i do and i hit my straight shot which is my miss hopefully i'm now screwed so it's I just the car
1: have, path and goes to the woods.
2: I just have to accept that my best swing, I'm gonna have a thirty five footer on the left side of the green and that's how we're gonna to have to play the hole. Um, now at at some point in my life, I would have aimed at that pin. I would have tried to take it on and if I blocked it and left it out to the right, I made a double and I shot seventy four. It's like that's really stupid. but like that would be as I progress as a player and as I've seen other people do it, I've just realized that like, I know who I am. I know what, what, what I can do and what I can't do. And I just think that that's a very, like I said, low hanging fruit. It's easy to, uh, that would be something that good, good players and bad players alike can take advantage of. Just trying to get yourself around a golf course and consider all options or just firing at flags. So I think there's something that was long winded.
1: I just think there's something you said there that that a lot of people, sorry, Phil, that, that a lot of people okay, don't think about. I think that, you know, a lot of us go out there and we think, man, I got to make a bunch of birdies. And we don't think, man, I just need to eliminate bogeys. Yeah, and, for sure.
0: Uh, and I think that, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. So, so sorry, Phil, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead, Phil. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly um, hammering home that point. And also just playing for your misses. Um, if, if you, you know, you short side yourself, it's going to be, you know, if we're talking about specific whole locations at Riverbend, it's an automatic bogey. Um, so knowing your tendencies and not missing it in the spot, you can't miss it in. I mean, it sounds really kind of dumb. Right. But, um, sex- I mean, it's, it's a, it's a huge thing that amateur players do. And it's, it's a huge, it's just one of another separator between really good players and players that just aren't that great. For sure.
2: And that's the, that's the number one. I mean, of, of all like, yes, good players. And if you're paying, a, if you're comparing a good player and somebody who's not that great, yes, the good player has a better golf swing and the face is square much more often on a good player versus someone who's not that great. But I will say that the good player is getting themselves around the golf course, like a surgeon, like they are just plotting themselves around a golf course, 18 holes in a row. And they understand. Okay. So let me, let me backtrack. A good player knows what they're going to do when they hit it really well. Every single good player knows that Zach, you know it. Phil, you know it. it's like, I understand when I stripe it, I'm going to move the ball five yards from right to left and it's going to be a baby draw. A great player knows what the golf ball is going to do when they hit it really well. And they know what it's going to do when they hit it like garbage. They know exactly what's going to happen both ways. Now that person can aim. They, They can plot themselves around a golf course. They know it's like, okay, the pin is right. So let's use, um, let's see, let's think of a good one um let's use nine at riverbend for an example i'm a big riverbend guy as you can tell um so let's say the pin is back right the the infamous mm-hmm. the full now uh someone who is thinking with with half a brain would realize like okay if my ball if i missed this long of the green I have no realistic possibility of even sniffing a par. And I see people all the time. It's like, and, and, and I'll take my lessons out there and um, they'll shoot the flag. It's like 155 yards and they're in the rough. And uh, it's like, okay, yeah. So I'll ask them, I was like, okay, it's 155 yards, a little bit downwind. How far are you going to play this? Well, we're downwind. So I'm going to play it. It's downwind, uphill. I'm going to play this 165 yards, 170 yards. And it's like, okay, sounds good. And I don't, I don't try to correct them. And so they'll hit it and they'll hit it really good. And it flies the green. And we get up there and it's like, okay, what would you have done differently? They're like, I would have done anything to be short of the screen. I would have done any, not hit it where I'm at right now. It's like, oh okay, yes, for sure. So I think just, and, and I think a great player, like if you put a strawster out there, if you put a Joe Hayden out there, anyone, I mean, and, and let's say like, I don't want to say that the player should have known that that was there if they never played the course before, but uh, everyone knows what trouble is lurking and where they can't be the the best players. And they have a a surgeon like approach to make sure that they don't end up there. And I think that's, like I said, the lowest hanging fruit. I keep, keep harping on it, but understanding who you are, what you can do and trying to get yourself positions that you can play from is, is step one. So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I got I got so many more items, but I know we're kind of running up against the clock here. Um, right. I love talking golf. It's my favorite <laughs> thing to do, I can do it forever. Um, I guess I guess my I guess one of my last kind of questions is when when someone comes to you say say it's a ten handicap and yeah. they're looking to I don't know. They're just looking for some consistency in their game, and say what you ask them what their goal is. I, I want to get to a four. Is that, um, and, and I'm probably asking this in a really poor way, but do you? I guess you see more substantial gains in someone's game from from a player that's like a twenty, and and, and they can get down to like a ten, or is it tougher to get that person that's a lower handicap? Where they really want to go, and that's you know closer to shooting mid seventies consistently, whatever it may be. I hope that's coming across.
2: That uh, does. It makes sense. I think that the sky, the ceiling is, the sky is the limit for most players. It's like as good as you want to be, you can get. I mean, I've seen several examples of this. Now, I will say that as you start getting into the lower handicaps, you start getting down to you're you want, you're an eight, and you want to be a six you want to be a six, you want to be a four. It's like trying to save or trying to, it's like negligent, really small incremental success and getting better at like, you hit one more green per round and you make one more 10 footer per round. And then all of a sudden you're, you were an eight and six. And it's like, okay, now you're a six. Now you got to, you got to birdie uh, you got to be in position on two more par fives and you got to hit. Yeah. I mean, once you get down into the lower ranks and the lower handicaps, you have to find small ways of getting better now. And that becomes more difficult. Um, It's easier to take a 20 handicap to a 10 for sure, because Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, you can fix their open club face and all of a sudden they hit four or five more greens per round. Now they're at 12. It's like if, if they can putt, if they can putt halfway decent, now they're a nine. So, um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's easier to, to work yourself down the totem pole and golf. Um, as you get closer to zero, it becomes finding, finding little tidbits of ways to get better. Um, so yeah, that's a really good question. Um, but yeah, final answer. It's easier to start at a 20 and get to a 10 for sure. So. But that's not I, I had one.
1: Go ahead. Sorry.
2: I'm just going to say that's not, that's not, the same. you can't do it.
1: I, I had just one more thing I, I want to talk to you about. So I was playing golf at Coyote on uh, Sunday and I was, I play with some older gentlemen out there. And, you know, one of them said, and I didn't hear who it was, but that he had gone to see somebody and that person, he didn't feel like that person was helping him you know, in a way that would help an older person, maybe trying to teach them like a younger person. And my question to you is, how do you handle, obviously, you know, you have younger up and coming people, but how do you handle somebody whose game is in decline a little bit, you know, physically they're in decline, but how do you keep them Still playing well, or or what do you do for the older person? Basically, what I'm asking is is how do you convince an older person to come see you?
2: I mean, there are there are numerous ways to get the golf ball in the hole, and there are numerous ways to swing mm-hmm. the club. Now, the older person who comes to you and says, "I want to swing it faster," that's a problem. It's like, okay, we, mm-hmm. need, it. we need a We conversation here. Now, the older person who just wants to play golf and enjoy the game, there are so many ways to make doable now you have to know who's in front of you you have to know okay you, I, I mean i've had people with uh hip replacements i've had people with bad shoulders bad knees bad everything it's like i can build a golf swing that's repeatable and that you can do that doesn't hurt you and that's the best that we can do um but i mean yeah it's definitely it's definitely an interesting conversation i don't teach a 65 year old the same way i would teach a 16 year old because their body just can't do it. Um, certainly they have to start flipping it a little bit through impact. If you're going to be, if you're 65 or 70 and you can't move, you got to get the right, right hand releasing a lot. Um, but there are so many ways. I mean, it's it's totally doable to teach anyone how to do anything for the most part in golf. Um, but you definitely don't teach a 65 year old guy who can't move and is having a hard time, Moving the club like an athlete. I mean, there are ways to make it happen. So I think it's just explaining to them like, you're never going to be the guy that you see on TV. And I hope that you understand that. Now we can make this work and we can make this work better than you've ever swung it before. And you can have fun playing this game. That's step one. So it's definitely possible. Um, And it's honestly more, it's, I shouldn't say more, it's just as rewarding, or maybe I should say more, it's more rewarding just to watch someone who has physical limitations, who can't move very well and still be able to go out and have fun and hit it pretty solid and get the mm-hmm. ball to move. It's a good time. And, and they, they love it. Um, but you just have to know who's in front of you. You have to set expectations and set realistic boundaries, which like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we could do to be better without hurting you. And so then we, no, then we make a game plan, but I think, uh, Excellent. yeah, mm-hmm. I don't turn things away unless they have a really bad attitude, then I turn it away.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. So. Callahan, uh, where, uh, where, where can people find you? Uh, Website, Facebook, all that stuff.
2: Uh, So website, www.section5thenumber.golf. Instagram, section five spelled out, underscore and if you if you need anything do you want to book a lesson probably the best way to do it would be text me call me number is 260-600-2612 um i'm cal here on facebook find me however way you can happy to help anyone um i love it more than anything i believe it's what i was born to do so it's been awesome uh yeah thank you guys so much for having me it's been awesome I can talk golf for 24 hours. So I'm sorry if I kept you too long, but it's been a lot of fun.
0: No, thank uh, you for it, coming it,
1: on, man. It, yeah. It's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah. 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 Appreciate you being here. Uh, yeah. Definitely come back anytime if talk about what's going on the tour or what's going on locally. Uh, always welcome back for sure. I'd love to be. I'd love to be back. Also, root for my
2: buddy Patrick Flavin. He's my teammate in college. He's playing in the ATT Byron Nelson this week. I'm going to take him. Uh, just out of uh, he's, he's a great friend of mine,
0: so cheer him on.
1: Uh, you said
0: Slaven. We, we just right. we just we talked about him two weeks ago, I think. Uh, I, I believe Zach John, uh, Johnny mentioned his name, yeah. So, that's okay, yeah. that's didn't, know, didn't know that.
2: Nice, he's the putter in the world, and after three weeks of playing with him, and uh college my freshman year I looked at him square in the face and I was like Pat you're gonna freaking make it on the tour I just know you are and look at him he's doing it so
0: actually yeah, he's, he's I mean what Monday qualifying like crazy.
2: He is he is the Monday qualifier king.
0: Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh Zach Fitzgerald will be playing my my favorite uh local title event, the Blue Moon open this weekend let's up go. in Garrett. So let's, let's go, go Zach. Zach.
1: That's right.
0: So <laughs> Uh, Thank you very much. Nope. Appreciate it, Callahan and Zach. We'll have our picks for the Byron Nelson up on Wednesday. Uh, This week, we'll see if we hit back-to-back winners heading into the PGA Championship. So thanks again to Callahan and Zach for being here, and we'll catch you next time.